Welcome to Small Business Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. Tim Calise is the founder of the Product to Profit Framework and an advisor to startup businesses. He says that networking is a great way to connect with people who have complementary skills to you that will help you grow your business. Thank you very much for being my guest on the podcast today, Tim. Oh, thank you for having me, Liz. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Now, I'm sure people can hear already that you're probably not in the UK. Whereabouts in the world are you, Tim? I am in Massachusetts in the northeast US. So, uh, yes, quite uh, on the other side of the pond, as they say. And that's the lovely thing about the internet is we um, we can connect so easily. Exactly right. And actually, my uh, my mother's side of the family is all in the UK. So I uh, have spent quite a bit of time. Uh, all of my cousins and, and extended family on that side are all in the UK. So oh, cool. uh, have uh, near and dear to my heart. Oh, that's lovely. Now, Tim, you're an advisor to startups and the founder of something called Product to Profit Framework, which we'll talk about in a minute. But What's your background? What did you study at university and what did you want to be at that stage of your life? Yeah, from a very early age, I was the kid who loved to take things apart. I was <laughs> always very inquisitive uh, and uh, my father was was in uh, the financial services area as well. Yeah. Uh, but he did the, you know, put on a, a suit and tie every morning, took the train to work. Uh, and uh, as someone who wanted to have a family eventually, I, I always envisioned doing something similar, mm. but I wanted to have more control. Mm. Uh, I wanted to have options. And so entrepreneurship, which, you know, uh, I'm in my early 40s now, uh, not to date myself, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, entrepreneurship wasn't, didn't have the cachet that it has today. Yeah. It wasn't cool. Um, but I always knew that I liked solving problems. Uh, I had this insatiable appetite to, to kind of take on the world. Uh, and so I went to, uh, went to university uh, in the Washington, D.C. area. I studied economics and finance. Mm -hmm. And that led me to working at one of the large uh, brokerage houses, uh, one of the divisions of Citigroup at the time. And after about six months, I came to... Uh, not a literal fork in the road, but just a, a mental one, which was I finished work one week and I, I just asked myself the question, you know, do I see myself doing this for another five or 10 years? Mm. Uh, and I think at that time I had already kind of, by asking the question, probably already knew the <laughs> answer. Um, and I was so fortunate to have someone uh, that I was working for at the time who I, w I felt open and, and confident to go speak with. And I said, you know, this, this is not for me. Uh, and he said, well, what kind of thing do you, do you want to do? And I said something very similar, but can kind of uh, tickle this idea of, you know, building something, you know, I'm not, not artistic in the traditional sense, mm -hmm. but building a business sounded like more where I, where I belonged. And he referred me to someone who had just started their own investment company. Uh, I'm now in my early 20s. Uh, and, uh, and I moved all, all my worldly possessions down to a place I had never even visited before. Um, and four years later, uh, I was able to raise over $325 million uh, from investors to build a, a fairly sizable investment management company. So my kind of story arc was uh, inquisitive kid to uh, starting in the, the finance area. Uh, the end of that story is is we actually gave all the money back uh, voluntarily in uh, before 2008 and the financial crisis uh, here in the U.S. And then I spent time in fitness and technology, about 10 years, 
uh, and that led me to uh, being a member of the executive team at a company called Gym Launch, uh, which is famously now uh, uh, was co-founded by Alex and Layla Hormozzi, who are uh, now big business influencers uh, out there in uh, uh, in the marketplace today. And and so uh, we sold those businesses a couple of years ago, and I've packaged the last twenty years of. Uh, bumps and bruises and lessons learned and uh, what have you into uh, I now have the great fortune of working with uh, up-and-coming service-based business owners and in, in helping them shorten the learning curve and uh, and build a sustainable business in the uh, in the type of way that they they desire for themselves that's quite a story and a huge success so you know early on in your life as well how was it going from you know being an employee originally to, to becoming self-employed was it was it anything like you thought it would be? I think at the time I was probably naive. I was again in my early twenties, and I just didn't know any better. <laughs> uh, and you know, as a single person, uh, I, my wife and I were dating at the time. But I, you know, they say the time to take risk is early in your career, mm. and and I believe that to be true. I just I didn't have the desires of kind of get rich quick or, you know, anything like that. But I knew that I didn't want to have a life that I hated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was kind of, if I, if I'm really peeling back the onion of, of that decision to, to leave, uh, the, the division of Citigroup, it was just because I just didn't enjoy it. Uh, and maybe that's naive to think that everything should be, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Uh, but I think at that time I just felt like the drudgery of, of, kind of going down that path for, for an extended period of time, um, just really turned me off. And so I think the, the risk quote unquote of, of leaving that structure and doing something that was, uh, was a lot less uh, certain probably sounded risky, but it sounded also equally exciting and, and probably, uh, appeal to, uh, the types of things that uh, I was probably attracted to at that time. Yeah, I think that is the advantage of being young, isn't it? That you, you can take those risks and you don't know what you don't know at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. But uh, I still think that that was a brave decision you know, to be able to go to your boss and say, look, this is not working out for me. And you're great that they were able to help you on your way. Yeah, I, I one of the through lines through the last 20 plus years of, of both personally and professionally uh, are specific people that have come either into my life specifically or have been uh, have left an indelible mark uh, mm-hmm. typically in kind of in, at the inflection points you know the the closing of one chapter and the opening yeah. of another um, I, I don't think it could be understated that the impact that other people can have on the trajectory of your life yeah. uh, is critically important. And and some people, you know, again, kind of talk about network. Some people talk about kind of their friend group. Uh, I've always tried to surround myself with, uh, you know, people who can give me honest guidance from an informed perspective mm-hmm. uh, to help me kind of see around the corners to, to identify the things that I, I didn't, I don't, know to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in that one particular instance, um, the gentleman that, that referred me uh, that I was working for, he was just one of those people, and, and we remain close today, he's one of those people who put his personal agenda aside mm. uh, and, and made a genuine uh, referral uh, for my betterment at his loss. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, you can call that, so that's what kind of true friendship is. Uh, I just, I believe in the power of mentorship uh, and the idea of a network and, and, I, and, and the great power of kind of those collaborative elements. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's um, talk about uh, product to profit now. How, how did that come about, first of all? So for the last uh, 10 to 12 years, uh, I have either founded or grown multiple businesses uh, that are in the service and software uh, kind of technology Mm -hmm. uh, arenas. And the thing that I have come to believe is as much as the marketplace, you know, talks about, uh, you know, marketing and advertising and copywriting and things like that, that the businesses that felt like they had the most staying power uh, and also had kind of the most frictionless type growth was when the product was exemplary. Mm-hmm. And so it is my belief that up to somewhere in the three to five, maybe sometimes as much as $10 million a year range, but certainly three to five million a year in revenue, product is the only thing that matters. Mm. And it matters for two reasons. One is because you can use product to create a category of one, meaning differentiating yourself from the rest of the marketplace yeah. from co- potential competitors, et cetera. And number two, a great product takes all the pressure off of paid advertising and other things. I fundamentally believe in the power of a relationship-based business and mm-hmm. relationship-based commerce. Um, you have rabid fans, raging fans, they will do a lot of that work for you. And so we look in terms of how do we not only attract clients in a differentiated fashion, uh, but how do we continue to foster that relationship over time and give them ways to, um, to put our product or service in front of other people who, uh, who may, may find value in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, people often say, don't they, that a product's so good that it sells itself. But it's not that it sells itself, that it is that other people sell it for you, like, like you just said. Yep, exactly right. And, and the, the product to profit concept is uh, I come into many businesses that are in the 500000 to say 2 or $3 million a year uh, revenue range. And I'm also a, a huge Formula One fan. So I'll <laughs> just bear with me for, for the, the car analogy coming. Um, we quite often speak in terms of, you know, horsepower, how many cylinders are you firing on, things like that. Yeah. And the reality is it's not about the engine. It's about how much power gets to the wheels. Yeah. So I believe that my role is to take an existing business that may be, you know, firing on on all cylinders, but isn't really moving down the road at a a comparable pace. And I am the transmission. Mm. I am the mechanism that by allowing, by either educating or helping implement concepts that make the business more efficient. There are hidden profits that are sitting inside the business waiting to be uncovered. And there are some strategies that you can use to, to do that. And so, you know, I think for, for all of us, uh, you know, the, the, the early entrepreneur thinks about what can I add? Uh, I think the seasoned entrepreneur thinks in terms of what can I take away? Mm-hmm. And so I try to take away a lot of that uncertainty and that inefficiency to get to the result in hopefully a, a much more scalable, uh, consistent fashion. Yeah. So who is the framework for? What kinds of businesses are, are, do you like to work with? 
Yeah, I, I focus primarily on any kind of service business that either has or wants to have uh, a recurring revenue component. So that could be a membership, a subscription, uh, a recurring uh, like software license, anything like mm -hmm. that. Um, simply because, and I, I think this is more about uh, kind of philosophy than anything else, it is my belief that the best work is done when you create a recurring relationship you know, yes. with, with, with a customer. Yeah. Not to take anything away from, you know, businesses that sell one thing to one person one time. It's just not how I believe I want to construct the life that I want to live. Mm. Um, and I think if you would think in terms of I make a sale to get the customer, not get a customer to make a sale, that means it's the start of the journey, not the destination. Yes. And so you think in terms of, okay, now that I've, I've earned the right to have kind of mind share with my customer, what is the problem that I'm going to solve for them? And that can be today. And once you solve the next problem, then you can solve the next problem, the next problem, et cetera, et cetera. I just, I like the idea, the philosophical uh, and mental exercise of maximizing value creation because the hardest part is to earn the trust. Yes. And once you earn that trust, it is both incredibly important for you to be a good steward of that trust, um, but also it makes a lot of business sense when done right. Yes, it's much easier to keep customers you've already got than to go out and create new ones, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I, as, as I mentioned, I was in the, the fitness business uh, for, for a decade, and early in that experience, uh, if you had asked me what business I was in, uh, I was in the, the fitness business. Mm -hmm. And that's defined as it looks very much, especially here in the U.S., something like you would walk into the gym and you would say, you know, these are the classes that I have or this is the equipment that I have, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And it misses the point because in the fitness business, we are actually not in the fitness business. We're in the transformation business. Mm -hmm. People come to a fitness facility not for the equipment, they come for the transformation. Yes. So if you ask the question, well, what do I, what needs to be true for me to deliver a high value transformation experience? It actually has nothing to do with equipment and classes. Mm. It has to do with, okay, I need to give uh, some kind of tactic, like emotional support or accountability support. Oh, that's interesting. That's not part of our current model. Yeah. Uh, people are going to have questions around what should they be eating? How do they fuel their bodies? Things like that. So there has to be a nutrition component to it. And if you, you go down and doing, doing this thought exercise, you realize that if you only think in terms of equipment and classes, you have constructed a half-built bridge. Mm. And what that means tactically is we went from charging about $69 a month as a gym to charging $250 to $500 a month as a transformation studio. Mm. The hidden profits that I didn't realize that we were missing in our business were the fact that our members were still hiring nutritionists. They were going outside of us and hiring accountability yeah. coaches. They were doing all of these things because they knew they needed them. Yeah. I just didn't offer them. Yeah. And that was hidden profit that was sitting inside of our business, which was very much perspective uh, driven. Yeah. So you became the one-stop shop effectively, didn't you? Well, and, and I think the, the, the other side of that coin, uh, and you're exactly right, yes, uh, we, built, we built the full bridge, we constructed the full puzzle, whichever analogy you want to use. But I think where the rub for me was, 
is it feels like it expands the complexity of the business to do that. And the part I was missing was what we wanted to offer has nothing to do with what the client actually needs. Mm. I'm going to say that again. What we desired to offer has nothing to do with the actual things that the client desires and needs. Yeah. They have needs that will be will be satisfied whether you do it or not. Yeah. So the question is how can we participate in as much of that journey, hopefully the entire journey, as possible. And that's where you can get into joint ventures and, and partnerships. You can get into other, so there are mechanisms inside of this, uh, this framework of, of product to profit where we start to uncover those opportunities and then fill in those gaps yeah. so that we can be in that, in that, uh, in that conversation. Yeah. So you obviously had, had great results with your, your own business kind of coming at this from, from this kind of new angle. What kind of results are you seeing with your clients that you're working with now and their businesses? Yeah, so I, I have the great fortune of working with a handful of, uh, of really superior uh, entrepreneurs. Um, so one of them, as an example, is uh, a home health care business here in the U.S., uh, and so, you know, they are, they go in and uh, for periods of time will go in and help in, in a home with folks with uh, various, uh, various needs uh, on a non-medical perspective. So they're mm-hmm. not doing any kind of medical intervention or anything like that, but, you know, helping cook and clean and uh, take care of, uh, of folks. Mm. And when we started working together, you know, they, they had one offering and it was, if you want to work with us, here's the price and here's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And so in a very short order, what we actually did was we understood that there were three distinct types of people, like buyer personas, that were actually coming to them because of their position in the industry and they were starting to become well-known, et cetera. And so what happened was by only having one product, they kind of shoehorned everybody, whether they were a fit or not, into one option. Mm. So instead, we, we now have three tiers. There's a low, a middle, and a high tier. Each of them have different components which attract or are attractive to each of those different avatars. So to use round numbers, what that meant was their average revenue per customer went from about $1,000 to $2,000 a month up to about $5,000 a month. Mm. And you would say, oh, all we did was raise our prices. No, what we did was we introduced a $10,000 option and we had a $500 option. Yeah. And by doing that, we now had kind of the ability to, to, to better fit the types of people that we had. And that's also the better the fit, the longer they typically will stay. So we've actually cut churn by 50% on the back end too. Right, yeah. And so the business has grown from about a million dollars a year to I think we'll probably do about three to three and a half million this year in the next, uh, the next 12 months. Fantastic. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's turn to networking now. How do you like to network and how do you like to use networking in, in your business? Uh, although not to, not just not just because I'm on this uh, on the show <laughs> with you today, Liz, I cannot overstate the importance of networking in my professional and personal story arc. Uh, I have a mentor who uh, is uh, in the real estate industry primarily, but has done many, many things. Uh, and he said once that transformations don't happen in isolation. Mm. And for me, that was so poignant because I think, especially as a student, you try to, you were almost kind of indoctrinated with this idea of you have to be the smartest person in the room. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And this idea of transformation not happening in isolation, for me, my interpretation of that is it's not what you need to know, it's who you need to know. Yeah, yeah. And every critical juncture point, inflection point in my life has come with the guidance and insights provided by somebody else. Yeah. You know, they say you can't read the label from inside the bottle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, you know, when, when I think about networking, networking has a bunch of different components to it. One of them is kind of a mentorship component. I fundamentally, I, I firmly believe that everyone should be kind of part of a mastermind group or a mentorship group simply because you will get different perspectives, which will make you a better person and a better operator and, and, and other things. Now, networking also in a business sense, for me, I think the other paradigm that has shifted for me over the course of the last 10 plus years is, I think earlier in my career, and I, I think this is true for many, is that you look at the equity of a business and you're like, I want to hold as much of that as possible. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, that leads you to being kind of a solopreneur or something like that. What I've now come to realize is I personally do better in a group, in a collaborative environment, number one. And number two, the, your first business will virtually never be your last. Mm-hmm. So I personally have taken the approach of networking to find complementary skill sets. Think of it like a farm team or your bench of players. Now when I am introduced to a new concept, it's not do I want to do this. It's I now have folks that are kind of on call or people that, I, that I'm in, in quote unquote a networking group with that I can say, oh, this requires someone who's an incredible funnel builder. This is an e-commerce opportunity. I'm not the right guy to do it, but I have someone who's the best yeah. in the world at, at, at that. So I look at networking both from a belief systems perspective, but also the tactical. I think more people would be better served by having a network of people you with complementary skill sets and identical values Yeah. because you will live a, a, a significantly more enjoyable life and probably much more successful. Yeah. And you can never know all there is to know, can you? And it's so it's so important to have other people in your network that you can go to when there is something that you need to know about that you you don't know it, but they do. Yeah, I I, uh, I read a book that was incredibly impactful for me, uh, written by a gentleman Dan Martell. Uh, it's a, a book called Buy Back Your Time. Uh, Dan is a, a serial entrepreneur uh, and actually runs the largest, certainly in, in North America. Uh, the largest SaaS coaching business uh, out there. It might be the the best in the world um, or the largest in the world, excuse me. Uh, And he wrote a book, Buy Back Your Time. And and the concept for me that is relevant to this is um, I used to think about managing my life in terms of time. Mm -hmm. You know, what does your calendar look like? Things like that. And actually it's more important in my opinion to manage your life in terms of where, what is your zone of genius and what feeds your energy? Mm. Because it actually has nothing to do with what I can do. I can do a lot of things. But I will tell you there are things that I have capability in that drain my energy. Yes. <laughs> so when I think about what kind of business do I want to build or what do I want to be involved in, I know, I can, I know what my lane is. Yeah. And it's not about what I can do. I'm a, you know, I think we're all pretty much in the, in the position of... If you really want to know something and learn something, you can do it. It's not a question. I, I just don't believe I'm a very much a growth mindset person. 
But through that process, you may end up knowing something or knowing how to do something that you're just not interested in. It just doesn't Mm. feed you. Mm. So the more we can think in terms of what we're good at and what feeds our energy, that is where you should stick and find other people who have complementary skill sets that feed their energy. And it sounds small just because they're words. When put into practice, the business, the feeling of the business is unlike anything that you've probably ever experienced before. Because you think of all that grit in the gears, all those friction points, when those go away in large part, it's amazing what happens. Mm. Your feeling of the business is different. It's not heavy. It's very light. It's very collaborative. Uh, and everybody kind of knows their role. Um, it doesn't mean there aren't challenges, but the, the, the culture feels differently. Yeah. Yeah, networking at its best. Exactly right. Exactly right. Now, I think, Tim, that you have um, a free option for people to uh, find out more about what you're doing. Is it a Facebook group or something along those lines? I do. I have a, a VIP group. Um, uh, you can go to timcalise.com, and hopefully that can be in the show notes. Uh, yeah. T-I-M-C-A-L-I-S-E.com. Um, I package learnings from my uh, coaching sessions, uh, consulting sessions with my clients, as well as other other groups that I'm a part of. Uh, and I put those out uh, three to five times a week uh, for folks to be able to uh, to hopefully get uh, uh, get value from and and very shortly going to be rolling out a, a collaborative group, uh, which uh, is specifically targeted to uh, service-based business owners, regardless of how long you've been in business, uh, under about $2 million a year in revenue, so we can help build uh, more successful, sustainable businesses uh, across the board. Sounds like a great opportunity. So is that the best place for people to find you, Tim, or is there another way that you would like them to get in touch if they want to know more? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on all three to uh, monitor my own LinkedIn, uh, excuse me, my own uh, uh, Instagram and LinkedIn DMs. Uh, so if there's anything that resonated with you or any question that you have, uh, please reach out on either of those platforms and, and happy to lend a hand. Lovely. Well, thank you very much for being my guest, Tim. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much again. Thanks for listening to Small Business Big Network. If you found this podcast useful, please do rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too.